0: Tonight, we want to have a lot of dialogue. We would love to um, not so much teach, preach, but to dialogue together, contend together, wrestle together. Um, we've got some questions that... Uh, have we got them somewhere? You got them? Cool. Sam's got them. Um, and uh, really just want to recap on the last two weeks Um, because what got declared last Sunday and what got declared this morning literally is the divine order of God for the church to come into and to live from. And everything that we get entangled in And get set free of us right here. So this is his divine pattern of life within us and then through us. And so there are so many hoodwinks, there are so many obstacles, you know, because you can commit your life to Christ, you can be part of a church family. And depending on whether in the beginning is the word as opposed to in the beginning is works depends on really your journey as an individual and your journey with the church that you are part of. I know for myself, I'm 29 years of age, I have a radical encounter with God, I have zero Christian upbringing, zero being part of a church, and I turned up thinking everyone will know more than me because I'm the beginner and everyone's been at this for a lot longer to discover that that's not necessarily the case. Because it's based on revelation, not based on human information or knowledge. And so very, very quickly I started to realize there are differences between what God has done in me and what some of the people say and think and what they live for. And it's because we get entangled in the Scriptures without the Holy Spirit being the one who guides the Scriptures and the Scriptures become our number one rather than the Spirit. So it's critical that our beginning position is the word, and that is within us, before it's anything else, because God wants to change me. He wants to change the thinking that is worldly, he wants to change the heart that's a worldly heart, because I've come out of the world, I've been entangled in the world, the world has been in me, if you want to call it Egypt, whatever you want to call it. The dominion of darkness has been the control center of my life. I've been under the influence of the demonic one, who is the prince of this earth. And he's been given a time where that's going to be part of his role. But in Christ, we have authority to bind and to loosen things. So I have no knowledge of this when I become a follower of Jesus, and you learn these things. The challenge is if he is not your source and you're still the source, then you get entangled in you. And you go on this journey and God wants to untangle you from you so you can run and live for Him and for others, yeah. This is what this is. Can be. Yep. We're bound up to ourselves. So being in your flesh is a form of binding, isn't it? And you need to be delivered from your flesh. You don't have a demon in you, but there are those that do. God wants to release all people from every form of darkness, whether it's demonic um, not oppression, what's the other one? When the dominions, the what was it? Possession, Possession or oppression. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so this is a divine order that if we want to come into the full life in us and through us, that's the order. Doesn't start in function, it starts in fellowship. starts with God taking a people called his church that are not one and making them one. Not because they can make themselves one, but but he makes us one through his power. And that's the whole purpose of the gospel, resurrected power, to take you from being dead in two to being in one. So then your life is hidden in Christ, and he goes to work because the Holy Spirit's now within you, and he is writing everything on your heart and your mind. So the prophetic promise that was given to Jeremiah is now our reality because we are thousands of years into the future and that reality is ours because we are the people under this new covenant where the Holy Spirit was going to be in us to do a work in us. We have to realize the Holy Spirit is there to do a work of sanctification. So God justifies and sanctifies us. Then he goes to work in the sanctificational process of spirit and truth. So that's this inner realm. Jesus said, why are you guys always polishing the outer cup? Your inner realm is full of evil and self-indulgence. Why don't you let me in there? No. Okay, next. And so God looks throughout the earth to and fro for those who are wholeheartedly his. He will always do that until his son returns because this is part of a wedding covenant, a marriage covenant that he has. So the first part's the inner realm. The second part is the external realm, the works that are now coming through the church into the earth. So the kingdom of God is being established in our hearts and our minds through the Holy Spirit, engraving that on our hearts and our minds. And then that kingdom comes through us as an expression So the divine demonstration, which is external, is the demonstration of what's in you. It's not you trying to do it. It comes through you because it's in you. So I'm able to love Mitch because love is in me. Not trying to love Mitch because I'm supposed to love Mitch. I'm a Christ-like follower, so I love because love is the substance of Christ. So it's just an innate new way of being, of the new creational life. That's how innate this life is. You don't try, you just be. So just like you don't try to be who you are, you just be who you are. That's exactly the same What it's life in the spirit. You're not trying to be spiritual, you just are. And that doesn't mean, when I say you're trying to be spiritual, someone that's in Nanu, nanu land... I mean you're like Christ. You're tangible, physical. People can touch you, receive from you. You dine with them. You walk with them. You are a substance. You are a divine demonstration of wholeness. So the challenge is we take this part and that part, and it creates one whole part. So the two, inner and the outer, are integrated into one position. That's what it is to be one in Christ and then to grow in that oneness. Okay? So we are to be perfected in Christ, perfected in oneness. So the inner realm and the outer realm are an expression of one. So to the measure my inner realm is being transformed, to the measure I can demonstrate that. It's not Greg trying to demonstrate Christ, it's Christ coming out of Greg. Do you understand? You can imagine an invisible man in me called Jesus Christ, so when I go to act, it's the invisible man Jesus coming out. And that's what Romans and Corinthians says, that the manifested life of Christ comes through my body. So there's to be a tangible expression of Jesus upon the earth coming through the vessel and the vehicle he has called and chosen, called you and I. And that's what we are to be living for. It's not just being justified by blood and being happy with that. Now, if that's all you want, that's cool. But that's not what he has for you. He has way more than that for you and I. We are to literally be his representation here on earth. His divine representation. So when people see you and I, they see the Father. And so this is the process for all that, which is a life of righteousness, a life of godliness. And the Bible says godliness is profitable for this age and the age to come. So it's this age is your apprenticeship. Okay? You've got this age to get your apprenticeship right and qualified. Okay? So you've got this chance to be perfect like your Heavenly Father's perfect. There's heaps of grace, love, hope to cover while we make mistakes. But as we grow up, we start less mistakes, more hitting the mark. To the point where actually we are mature sons. Then... We transition from this life into the life to come, which is where we're going to govern over this earth to all those who have grown and matured through their apprenticeship here on earth. Questions? How many of that is new for you? like the age to come, reigning over five cities. Please tell me. If if, if you've got this revelation, you should be up here speaking. So is this new for you? What do you think of that? Ludicrous? Possible? Yes? No? Don't know? Unsure? Unsure? Is there a purpose for reigning over cities? What do we think? Yes. Who knows what that purpose might be? Sam. Me and Sam might ask each other questions too. (laughs) Um,
1: So personally, I think, you know, in the scripture that we've been looking at, it talks about, um, it starts off, let us rejoice and be glad and give glory to him. And to me, the purpose of this reign of Christ and the church on the earth is to demonstrate the glory of God, of Christ literally and physically sitting and ruling on his throne, but of a, of this bride of Christ, this people of God who have been raised up to reflect him and administer his physical, literal kingdom here on the earth. So no longer is it just Christ, it's Christ and his bride in in unity of heart and mind and and expression. And to me, this is why it's so important that this is not just one part, but it's a two-part picture. It's being being sanctified and transformed in nature and in heartbeat. And it's also expressed through... um, you know these righteous acts, and to me, the age to come, this thousand year reign, it's it's the bride here on earth with Christ, governing with Him. So the, the, an extension of Christ on the earth, administering His kingdom from His heart, um, and 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 flowing, and, and, and you know, and and so to me, that it glorifies Him. Here's these ragtag bunch of nobodies who were dead in sin, who were absolutely born into Adam and self-consumed and all about their own little lives now, have been taken from darkness and into light and now are, are no longer about them and their lives, are about him and his kingdom. And here they are on earth, glorified and radiant, expressing the same nature, heartbeat. Action, deed, righteous act that Christ Himself is. So to me that's that's the purpose or one of the the key reasons is it's it's Christ being glorified through the church in a literal physical visible way here on the earth, you know. So that's that's one of the reasons. I think also He's looking for his equal, so he's looking for someone who he's going to share eternity with, and that starts obviously in the thousand year reign, but goes on, but goes on beyond that, you know. And so, to you know, to me, there's there's a purpose for him that's more than just making our lives easier. He's looking for someone that he can be with and and govern with for eternity, you know. So those are. Couple of thoughts from me I don't know if you've got anything that you want to add Hmm. Greek.
0: Not every So there are people who will get saved In the great tribulation And they will go into the millennial reign And the bride and the groom Will raise up that family So the picture is Danielle and I have two children I'm the groom She's the bride We're parents and our role is to raise up our children, correct, into mature adults who give back to society. I'm talking physically. The groom and the bride will raise up the millennial kingdom family. Those who get saved in the great tribulation, who go through into the millennium, will be need to be raised up. They are going to have children who will be sinners or sons, Sinners. You're a son. You have children. They're sinners. They need saving to become sons. So who's going to govern over them? The bride and the groom. So part of reigning over cities, you're raising up the eternal family of God. The typology is the physical marriage covenant. Everything is a foreshadow of what God is doing in the age to come. So the Israelites knew, they said, is it now you're restoring all authority to the Christ? He said, it's not for you to worry about those things yet. There is work to be done. There is a spiritual kingdom that needs to be birthed. Where? In your hearts and in your minds. And I'm preparing you unto being my bride. And then I'm going to come back and I'm literally going to set up my physical kingdom, my dominion, my governmental rulership and those of the earth will come to me. And my bride and me are going to be sitting on my throne, and we are going to reign sovereignly for a thousand years while the demonic is locked away. This is the opportunity that we have, one of them, if we want to be his prized possession. You can see why an immature bride is not going to do that.
1: That's what I was going to say, you know, I think, you know, in in seeing this in the context of a family, you can see, you can see why you can't enter into that role being childish, right? You know, like you can't have a child governing over children, it would be absolute diabolical chaos, eh, you know? And while, while this age is about growing in maturity, becoming of one heart and one mind so that what he has for us in the age to come can actually, you can actually be part of it from his perspective, you know?
0: We've, we've lost the prophetic side of God in the body. We don't know this stuff. All we really know is don't go to hell, get other people not going to hell, wait for heaven. That's about it. We've lost the prophetic edge. We've lost. But the early church understood what they were called for. So when you look at these people living what we call radical lives, it's because they had sight of the eternal. They saw the city being built. They saw the new Jerusalem being prepared. They had spiritual vision of their purpose and their calling, which was heavenly. So earth was ridiculous compared to what they were looking at. Why am I going to hang on to me and earth when that's what I've been called for? So take your best shot because your best shot isn't going to cut it because I'm dead to the earth and I'm alive in Christ. I'm alive into the things of God. So when you try and tempt me here, Satan, with all this, that's pathetic compared to what I've seen and what I've already received. I know this goes for eternity. I know this is eternal. I know I'm going into the new millennium with the Christ, and I'm going to establish the governmental rulership because I am his co-heir. I am his equal. This is what all this means. But we've limited it to some sort of position or title, and yet we don't live it. It truly is supernatural like the God we worship but we've taken the supernatural God and shrunk him to a little box that we can get our head around and we're missing on what our true identity is. The Bible says that the saints are going to judge the world and the angels. 1 Corinthians 6, 1 to 2 to 3. Who's he talking about? The same saints that he talked about here doing righteous acts. The same bond servants that he talks about having the name written on their foreheads that will serve a minister to the Lord. The same sons that Galatians talks about that the spirit of sonship cried out when it connected into the spirit of a man and found his home. It's the bride. It's the soldier. It's the nation of Israel, the commonwealth of Israel, that is committed to these covenants, these promises to the Christ. It's no longer Israel and the Greek or the Jew and the Greek. It's the people of spirit, the people who are of Christ. It's no longer male or female. It's no longer bloodlines. It's not on the basis of a physical law. It's on the basis of an indestructible life of power through the Christ who was raised from the grave back to life of the order of a priest called Melchizedek who could have been possibly Christ. There is debate around that one. But what we do know, it was an order that was not of bloodline, not of mother or father of natural genealogy. It was not of the Levitical priestly, orderly law line. It was of another line. And that's the line that we have been called to live from, which is an indestructible life of an imperishable seed called The word of God. So the spiritual seed produces spiritual fruit. We must know who we are, the word of God that builds us, and why he called us. Otherwise, we're going to live well beyond our calling. And here's the sad thing. Most are. God said I want to build this here Greg I want to build my house and he is and so what you've just heard many people don't even get to hear because people don't have a revelation of this what I've just said is concealed in here But it can be known through revelation. But it's concealed. The entire scriptures are concealed. Locked down. I can't get in without him. But with him, what can I know? All things. No eye has seen. No ear has heard. Has not entered the heart of man. All that the Father has prepared It's all in a concealed realm waiting to be discovered. It's already finished. And Paul said, these things, I know of them. And I freely speak so the church can what? Receive through hearing, spiritual hearing, being baptized in spiritual power so you can hear the spiritual seed. And the spiritual seed performs a spiritual work of transformation on the inside. And then I start speaking to you about righteous acts by faith, which are also concealed. For you are my workmanship, prepared in Christ for works prepared beforehand to do, but they're also concealed like you were concealed. So we need revelation, don't we? For everything if we're going to walk in divine demonstration and alignment and be rewarded, because God, what God wants to put on your hand is nothing short of breathtaking. Yeah, right. A nobody, a sinner, yeah. born in sin, released from sin for righteousness, royalty, forever. Yeah. Now that's the gospel. The gift is free, the reward is earned. You get the first part for free. The second part is based on your obedience and surrender to Christ. Okay? It's called a prize. The prize is earned. The gift is free. Paul said, work out your salvation with me. Holy Spirit. You understand? Justification, free. Sanctification is a work. At the end of that work, there's a reward. The reward will be given to those who have been obedient and faithful to the entire plan of God. Unfortunately, we have preached one part of a two-part message, lulled everybody into a false insecurity that God loves them no matter what, and it's not the case, meaning he loves you no matter what, but the full reward is based on your obedience. That's why it's in so much of the scriptures that you must obey. It's not about doing what you want, when you want, what you think, what you feel. It's about what he says. And we are all in this together. Your turn. <laughs> More questions.
1: You know was just the, the one thing is, is you're sharing you know like like it is it's such an enormous invitation eh for the for the church, what it is he's calling us to you know like these these what Greg's saying to me it's such a paradox, you know because the, the scriptures are concealed, but actually what what Greg, what i have heard Greg describing is in such clear black and white written language written down, it literally says in the word would, you know, that that the saints would judge the angels. It talks about, you know, governing over cities, you know, and so to me that this so clearly highlights why revelation unlocks everything in God because for many of us, having read the scriptures cover to cover, you can read the scriptures cover to cover and have even read these scriptures but actually not relate to what's being shared because it's even though you you actually know it's there, it's not living or alive to you. Haven't the the, the the reality and the weight of it hasn't actually opened up to the extent that you've seen yourself as caught up in God's big picture plan in a way that's actually moved and shifted and changed you, A eh? You know? Um, and it says in Hebrews, you know, to, to which of his angels did he ever say, You're my son, today I've begotten you. You know, to which of his angels Even though they are ministers in a a flame of fire, has he invited into this opportunity to be his co-heir and to come and reign with him in his eternal kingdom? You know, it's almost like what he's inviting us to is so massive that it almost paralyzes us from even asking a question about it because it seems so big. Do you know what I mean? until we and to me it's like we need to receive the life and the substance of it, not just the academic knowledge um you know because otherwise we will talk about it as if it's a concept we won't we won't eat together of the of the living word because you know in in Hebrews it talks and it says it talks about tasting the powers of the age to come you know I, I know for me when Like when the Holy Spirit started to reveal and open up this stuff to me, it was like I had tasted it. It didn't. It didn't come with a sense of I've got to go and learn more about this. It came with this. it, It felt like my breath had been taken away because I realized I had been living so far beneath what I had been called to, and and I felt like man. The priorities in my life at the time were my university studies and my football and it made me feel like it made me feel like it's so hard it's so hard to put words it, it, you know noah says it, um or it says in Hebrews that God spoke to Noah about unseen things and in reverence. He built an ark for the salvation of his household. I feel like I had a sense of holy awe and reverence that I had been walking as a good Christian the wrong way, well-meaning, like always wanting to please God and please people. But the source of that pleasing God came from my own perspective of what God was looking for in me. And when I started to have this open up, it was like, man, I'm I'm living for something. I'm living. For a small, puny, tiny natural earthly calling, that's absolutely going to be swept up in fire at the end of the day, you know. And there was a sense of awe and of reverence of man. This is so much bigger than what I ever imagined, you know. And I'd start to read these these scriptures, you know. And, um, I, I remember one of the the first ones was about the parable of the seed and the sower and for the first time i i realized man that parable was talking about me not someone else you know that unless i received this word and i was growing 30 60 and 100 fold i was outside of what's what god's purpose was for me you know and and so things like that started to to open up in terms of what his process looked like as as well as You know, I remember sitting down with a good friend of mine and talking, I think it's in Luke 19, that he talks about reigning over cities. And I was like, how could could I possibly reign over a city when what I'm living for is so minuscule, you know? And so the, the weight of these things, I feel like, impacted my heart before I came to an understanding of what this actually meant in a... Um, in a knowledge sense, I feel like I received the the awe and reverence of what god 's calling was, and then over time, the understanding of it started to come more and more as, as I sought him you know but to me this in, in what you 're describing his, this is to, uh, this is to arrest us in a way that that the things of heaven and eternity, the eternal calling actually Grabs us and grabs hold of it. It uh, grabs hold of us in a way that shakes us out of our natural lives, and 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 has us pursuing him not because we think that we should, but because there's something in us that drives us, and and um, you know that, that we've tasted of something that's so much bigger than what we know, you know. And and so there's such a um, like like you said, there's this um you know there's some things that are given but there's some things that come through obedience and, and both of those we need to become familiar with hey you know not just a not just a half story but god's full picture because actually one empowers and was always supposed to empower the other hey you know um, so i guess so there, those are a few few thoughts from me what what about for others has you know greg's asked has is this something that you've thought about, wrestled with, asked questions of? Have you been bamboozled by, you know, scriptures that talk about a calling and a purpose that's so massive that leaves you a little bit like, I don't know how I fit into that or not a rhetorical question. Is, have, have others wrestled with these big, these big questions? Yeah
2: as an example um, I always thought I was to be a teacher that um, was what I went and studied and practiced um, and, and amongst that time God had me working in secondhand stores he had me in all these really weird places and I was like I don't get this um, and about 25 years ago 20, 25 years ago he showed me a picture of a great and huge warehouse everything inside it was free and I was like oh, that's really cool. I don't know how that can happen. Um, and it always sat on my heart and it always felt like it was something that I would be connected to at some point. It wasn't until we moved from Hawke's Bay down to here that God actually sort of prompted me a bit more and said, you've got to do it, you've got to do it, you've got to do it. You know, this warehouse is waiting. People need it, you know, hurry up. And I slowly thought, okay, I'll dip my toe in the water. And I said to God, you know, how's this going to work? Why is everything free for everybody? And his His word to me was that he'd already paid for everything with the blood of his son. And he wanted to take care of his children. And I was kind of like, whoa, that's really, 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 really huge. And I knew that warehouse is way to and we started off holding free garage sales in our house, and then we moved to lots of different ways. And now we've actually got a free op shop in Porirua. Um Cost five dollars for entry, but absolutely everything under it's free. Whether it's two dollars, two thousand dollars, it's there because in God, everyone can be taken care of, and and. His other word to me was, and I said, why this? Why, why? Because I'm constantly wrestling with it. I, I don't know what the picture is. People share things with me, and I'm like, oh, you know, I didn't know that this had affected you that way. You know, we've had about five people share with us that they were going to take their lives until they came into connection with Free for All. And I know that wasn't connecting with Free For All, that was connecting with God. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was just like, I'm just, I'm still every day blown away by this thing that is growing that should never have been and cannot be explained mm-hmm. in any other way but God. Mm-hmm. And every day I'm excited. You know, this is growing. The warehouse is coming. We're going to need it by next year. Um, we've outgrown the space we're in now, which is huge, and I'm just amazed every day by how God is reaching out and touching so many people through this warehouse. Mm-hmm. And, and so every day I don't know what's coming, mm-hmm. and I just wait, and I'm ready, and whatever he calls. Sure.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And it should never be, but it is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: I think the beautiful thing is what he has us doing here there is always something greater behind why you're doing what you're doing Mm -hmm. and it's ultimately for there Mm -hmm. but it's very important Mm -hmm. because it's what we learn Mm -hmm. in him about ourselves as he asks us to step into things here Mm -hmm. that are part of our apprenticeship for there Mm -hmm. and my personal conviction is whatever God gets you to do on earth, it's never about that as the number one. There's always something behind that as a maturing preparational work for the eternal purposes of God right. which are here and there but they are secondary to the true calling of the saints which will operate in the millennium. So it's All learning opportunities of governing, being responsible, God knowing he can trust you with the things he's giving because what he wants to put in your hands in the age to come trumps that tenfold. Mm -hmm. And so we have to steward well with the things that are of his heart here but don't get caught up in them because they are a means towards something far greater. And this is what God is trying to open up to us. He's trying to open up this age to come because that's where the early church took their leading from. Like, I don't know how you get boiled in oil and consider it pure joy. It's not. But there's a joy within a person that is able to go to their death singing the praises of Christ because they know physical death is momentary and they live forever and I'm about to transition into what I'm really called for and this is the part of God's word that we have written off hidden away because we don't understand it and what we don't understand we sweep under the carpet and don't look either for fear of it scares us who knows? We don't. It causes this chaotic response in people. And so we like this nice, orderly, institutional model. But that's not God's kingdom. His kingdom's messy, ugly, beautiful, challenging, violent. It doesn't come nicely dressed, clothed, shiny. He never promised you and I a good life. He promised you a full life based on himself. He promised you trial and tribulations, shaking, persecutions, death, physical, both also verbal. If you follow me, Your life will never be the same. It will be turned completely upside down, but this is the promise I give you, an eternal life that's greater than all that. But you might check out at 20. You may never have kids. You may never get married. You may never have the five-star hotel, but you will have an eternal life now and the future. So you pick which one you really want. Seek first me and my kingdom. I can give it all, but you pick because I need to define it all. And that's why everything must be held in the palm of your hand open and lightly. And God is awakening us to this much greater dimension called the kingdom of heaven back on earth for a thousand years, and then this new heaven and this new earth. I haven't had vision of what that looks like. I can't preach on that stuff. I read the words. I go, man, it's going to be amazing to be that close to God, to minister to him forever in the new heaven and the new earth, to see his face. The Bible says if anyone sees their faith, you're dead. But we're in the spiritual dimension where we are glorified. But there's a reward for bond servants. There's a reward for people who have lost their life, have laid it down, and have picked up his life and his will now. It's eternal, guys. And the battle is you have a world, your flesh, and an adversary trying to hold you into this earth. But he's come to release you from all those things.
3: There was a time when um, just recently in the last few months that I was very stuck on um, what was going on internally. And it was quite... was quite. um, oh. <laughs> um is, it <laughs> is it on? Is it on? Um, and it was just before we. It was just after we started doing this booklet, and it's been a journey since. And I must admit, I'm not. I'm not leaning in all the time. I'm often going away from. And one day, me and God get to go for a bike ride, and because he's having to change all my mindsets. Because I came in to the church, the Christianity, and out of out of works and I've done that really well I have, I've done that really well but he's having to he's bringing me into the divine dimension and in this particular day I just went for a ride and I just felt the Lord just sort of say to me just sit and sit because this big thing with me at the moment is just rest in me and that's Oh, rest! What that does my brain in? It just rests. How, how do I do that and that sort of thing? And it's been down by the river, or sitting doing cross stitch, or um, it's step by step. It's not. There's no formula to it. And and I was I was sitting there dwelling in my stuff again, and um. The Lord sort of just prompted me, and He sort of said, "Look up, Anne." And and I looked up, and He said, of said, and I saw the bush across the, across the road. And was seeing the bush across the road. I put my eyes right back down where I knew, and I could see, and I could see wet dew and the grass and the. But it was here; it was right where I could see stuff. And He was saying to me and you need to keep looking up, because if you look up, but I can't see what creatures are there, I can't see what plants are there, I will show you, I will show you, so my frustration is, I get these, that and that, I don't get my breath taken away, I don't, it's all here, because it's been so here for so long, and at the beginning, when the, book started, Greg would say, turn your mind off, and I'm sitting there going, how do I turn my freaking mind off? <laughs> because I've done it for so long, and for me, it's rest, rest, and I'm really good at doing the ritual, and the smile, and performing, and that sort of thing, but it's look up, I will show you, but I'm not the I will show you, and I, and I found myself just keep on going. Oh, I want. I'm comfortable here. I'm comfortable here. I know what I'm seeing here. I know what I'm seeing. I don't know what's up there. So, oh, it's just the start. I feel like, and when Greg said this morning that we're going to go right back to the beginning, to the lost, <laughs> I'm going. Yes, that's because that's where I'm at. I'm still lost. Don't hear that negatively, but hear that, yeah, I'm still lost. But yeah, it, look up, look up. I, no, but everything inside me wants to look down because I want to know what is close and how it's going to work and when's it going to work and, and, and.
0: It's being released from yourself And the release from the control of you being the control centre of your life Because that's safe, isn't it? It's like to relinquish the control of the life you've been given Knowing you only get one But who are you releasing the control to? The one who created you and gave you life So do you think he has a better plan for you than you? You will strangle you while you're in control of you. Mm. Give it to him, he'll release you from you. See, the problem is when the creation takes its leading without the creator, you get in trouble. The problem is the church doesn't think it does what the lost world does. But we can be just as guilty because if we don't know the creator then we are the creator and the creation in our own heart and mind. What's the first question we've got there, right? Cool. Here's
1: one I prepared earlier. <laughs> What does it mean to be made ready, and how would you describe the process of sanctification?
0: Who out of you would like to try and articulate that?
1: I'll read it again. What does it mean to be made ready, and how would you describe the process of sanctification?
0: Two questions. Who wants to answer the first question? Um, I, I, I would always come back to God's faith, faith. Yep, but what does it mean to be made, ready? There's a making. If you make something, clothing, tables, chairs, airplanes, there's a making process, which means there's a design process. There's a pattern in which one follows so then what you make is tangible And you use So what does it mean for God to make You ready You need to be broken Okay Broken of what Mitch? You need to be broken Broken of our old ways
3: Of our old Like our flesh Because there's, there's our flesh And then there's the spirit And so With with our flesh, Um, like even without flesh, in God's eyes, it's like we're called to be in the spirit, not in the
0: flesh. So, is it the flesh that needs to get demolished, or is it the way of the flesh? Which one's first? Because the flesh is the root. The way leads me here. So it's the root system that needs to get ripped out. The Bible talks about being re-rooted from you, because you, we are all rooted in us. Yeah? When we are born, we are rooted in self, sin. So I need to get re-rooted and then rooted in Christ. But I can't do that. Because I'm rooted in sin. So who does that? The power of the Holy Spirit. The power comes just like grabs the tap root. Any gardeners here? Tap roots are pretty strong roots, correct? So the power of God comes and grabs your tap root called you, grabs it, wrenches it out, kills it, and then reroutes you into himself. So you no longer live. Your will no longer lives. This is the start of the getting ready process. Because while you and I are still the source, the tap root, we're of the kingdom of darkness, not the kingdom of light. So how can we produce eternal food if we're still the source of us? We filter everything he says and who he is through that tap root. So self looks and goes, nah, because this goes die, you go, no, I want to live. This goes give, you know get. It's selfish. It lives for itself. You can't kill it. It needs to be killed by something greater that is outside of you. Who wants to come into you and establish his home where you were once. Yeah? So he comes into the innermost part of your being called your what? You are made up of three parts, correct? Okay, this is every human being. So, he comes and he establishes his home, which is you here, with his spirit, correct? His spirit cries, Abba Father. Not your spirit, his spirit in you cries, Abba Father, I found home. You sent me, I found the mark. I now live in the deep inner recesses of the human being who, Father, we created. Right. You are justified in your spirit. Washed whole. But you have this thing called the soul, which is your mind, will, and emotion. This is actually the control center of you as a human. This is where the battle is won or lost. So the first thing God wants to do is take out your will through his power. He has given us all a will to live. A will to live. You don't want to die, do you? So inside every human being, there is a massive will to live. Well, that's getting in the way. Because he comes and says, you have to die. I want to live. I only got one life. He goes, I know, but you need to die if you want real life. Because this is a dead life. This is dead. This is flesh, yes? And flesh is of the demonic, yes? So there's nothing in your will, mind, or emotion that's going to create life but you're born of a brand new spirit. And so the spirit wants to renew and transform this, but you say no. So he's trapped inside wanting to come out, but in you, you're going, no, don't believe. No, no, no. It's time to die. No, time to lose your life. No, no. Because your will is still not crucified, even though you are covered. So your will needs to fall upon the cornerstone and get smashed into pieces. This is what holds most Christians back, even though they are covered by love. They can't live love. They can't demonstrate love, divine demonstration, because love is not yet in them. Because they, steep, they keep saying no. Okay? So your will must fall and be broken onto the pieces. Now, very poor vase. But if you have a vase that falls and smashes into pieces, do you try to repair it? What do you do? You go to Briscoe's and you buy a new one because there's a 50 pence off sale this Christmas. And you buy a brand new will. Whose will have you bought? The Father's. It's His will that He bought for you because your life is no longer yours. Because you're starting to realize it's not about you because your will got broken, which is the control epicenter that you're trying to keep alive because you actually don't want to die because you're afraid of what that looks like because you want to stay in control because that's afraid. Of. He says, look up. Oh, look up, I'm looking down below because I can control that. He says, set your mind on the things above where Christ is seated in heavenly places because that's where you're called to be. No, I want to live earthly, but I didn't call you to live earthly. I called you to be a heavenly being living on earth. So this guy here gets in our way. It's funny how it's in the middle, isn't it? It's the center Mind, will, and emotion. It's the control center of these two things. Then God says, right, now I've removed your will. Now I've got a chance to renew your mind. Because this actually gets in the way of your feelings, and it gets in the way of having his mind. Because it's in your heart. And understanding starts in the heart, not the mind. So the heart goes, no. Your spirit's willing, but your flesh is... This is what this all means. You want to, but you can't. You have a desire to, but you can't. No, that's right, because you're still in control of you. But your spirit's crying out, I want to, I want to. And your flesh is going, shut up, shut up. And then when the spirit speaks, your flesh might go, run, get out of here. You see, your flesh is demonic, correct? You don't have a demon, but it's demonic, So when Jesus turned up, what did the demons do? Hey, it's Jesus. Let's have a party. No, they want it out of here. That's what happens when your flesh turns up and the spirit turns up. It wants out of here because it knows it's time for crucifixion. You've reached the point. It's time to get crucified. No, we're not. We're out of here. All we deny, deflect, justify, ignore, hide under the table, hope it all goes away. So by doing that, you sabotage your own spiritual life. We do it all the time, and we use his name. God told me to go. I reckon he probably said stay. No, I don't need to be part of that discipleship process because I'm special. The only problem is it's a great commission to everybody. This is what we do to take ourselves out of actual death And we commit spiritual suicide thinking we're staying in life. You sabotage your own walk. So you're never able to be the divine demonstration. There's only one way to life. It's called Christ, Christ crucified. It's the only way. So the Spirit, the Word, comes from one who's sent. They speak a word sharper than a double-edged sword, and it's getting sharper, and it cuts, and it pierces this sucker here, okay, to the point where it no longer lives. I no longer lives. Now we've got a chance, because the spirit of humility has just been birthed inside the person. Now we've really got a chance, because the first being attitude just got birthed, because the spirit of pride has left. God exalts the... And what does he do with the one of pride? (laughs) Okay. So now the mind has a chance to be renewed because it's coming here, not here, it's coming here and then going there. It's not going there to there, that's demonic. It's going from the heart to the mind. Okay? Because the world's out the way. so now renew my mind. You're starting to get full with God, the spirit, love, the word is starting to grow. I want more. Hey, man, my mind's stuff, man. I'm not thinking the way I used to think. I read stuff. If I love another, I'm not worthy. Whoa, heavy, man. Yeah, that's right. What's that about? There's an openness and a humility to go searching when I read the things that we call tough. It's not like, I don't know, close the book. You see, when the word is spoken, you're hungry and thirsty because the spirit of humility, it's a spirit of humility. It's Christ. It's a characteristic of Christ. Humility. He did not consider equality. You have his humility. So if you have his humility, you're going to be hungry for him, correct? If you don't have his humility, you're not hungry for him because you don't even know love. You're loved, but you don't know love. And so then he starts renewing your mind to whose? His. And as you start getting his mind, your emotions are defined by what? Him. Truth. So now all of a sudden, your soul is getting saved. Just like your spirit got saved. You understand? So now you're in the process of sanctification. Your soul, your mind, your will, you've got his will, you've got his mind and your emotions are no longer guiding your life going up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down. You can have a horrendous day and it's all good. Why? Because it's not based on your feelings, it's based on the truth in you. You've got the word of God in you, it trumps your feelings, it trumps. You don't longer have thoughts that are taking you all over the planet because you have his mind this is what it means to get and be made ready outside of this it's just forms of godliness we're playing games we're in forms of godliness singing songs turning up to meetings and nothing spiritual is happening guys this is what it means we are to be able to track our spiritual maturity we should be tracking like we can track get school reports You should be able to track your own progress and your child's progress. Lily is growing. Lily is learning. Lily can do this. Lily can do that. It's the same in the spirit. Can I love yet? Can I pray yet? Am I becoming a disciple of Christ because I'm being made ready? So it starts here and it starts to manifest out here because this is the spirit and faith and the truth of the power transforming my soul. And it hits my body. Okay? Now my body is getting saved. I'm not living to the last. The body's the last thing because it's the last active thing. But my inner realm is getting saved. So the whole thing is salvation. It's not just here. It's the entire process of salvation. Paul said, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. That's what he means. He's going, I want to save the entire person. Two Thessalonians. I'm preparing the entire person as my bride. That's only half the equation. Out of this is going to come works. So Jesus is in and Jesus wants out. Christ in you, out of you is the hope of glory that the earth now see. That's what it means to get ready. If that's not happening, we are not spiritually being prepared. We're just going through hoops. That's really hard to hear, if that's what you've been brought up with. But wouldn't you rather hear it now than live your whole life outside of something you were called to be in? I hope so. Some people don't. Some people just don't want to know. They go, la, 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 don't talk to me because that means change. This is me. See, it goes from, oh, Sam, how are you looking at this, mate? No, it goes me. Don't worry about anyone else. Worry about you and where you're at. Because when we all worry about us, do you know what we become? One. Not on the basis of us trying to get one here, on the basis that we're getting one there. And so oneness here is oneness there. Love here is love there. You take that out, you got humanity. You put that in, you got eternal. That is one part of a two part process. The other part is the righteous acts. Because out of this now, so this is happening while the acts are happening, correct? You don't wait for this before you act, but this is defining you as you're hearing and going. So it's two into one. We're not that good at the two into one. We probably sit in one or the other. And that's to be lopsided. There must be questions after that.
4: It's not pretty. The whole thing is, um, and we, st- we fight that process, um, but we need to press into that. Um, and it's often when you come out of the, the mess that you can see that it was for you, yep. um, but when, you, when you're in it or going into it, I remember you saying a year or so ago, Greg, it's what you sow during that winter Period as to what you will reap. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've really learnt that this past year um, and just wanted to pass that on that it's um, that crucifying, not that I'm saying I'm broken, please Lord, I'm working on that. Um, But when you go through the fire process, um, it's for you and to embrace that, go with it, um, because it's not pretty. Yeah, it's the as you say, the snot on the carpet. The yep, yep. I've had some snot. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just wanted to say, I, I think uh, like going through that, but I really heard that today with you this morning. Um, you know, then I thought, yes, the crucifixion. That's you know, like we're just so like oh blah blah blah, everything's so pretty and beautiful. It's so not. No. Yeah, um, and that's good. Mm-hmm, yeah. mm-hmm. That's what I wanted to say. Good.
0: The fire burns the dross. So when God leads you through a fire, the purpose of the fire is to burn up the flesh. But you can abort the fire because it's going to hurt. There's going to be things he asks you to give up. There's going to be things he's going to go deep into your heart that are holding you back. Things you may not even know are there. Things that may be there. And you know they're there and you're going, you ain't touching it. Now he's such a general, he goes, okay but I love you so much I'm going to come back, and I'm going to keep coming back, and I'm going to knock on the door of your heart, and I'm going to say, if you want me to come and dine with you. I want to dine with you. Do you want to dine with me? So as you let him in, the fire, the power, burns the dross that's actually holding you back from becoming his to the fullness of what he wants. It's all positive and this is why it says it's the overcomer. To be an overcomer, there must be something to overcome. But you don't overcome in your own strength. You overcome through your surrender. And then the Holy Spirit goes to work. Because he's the minister of the work. So our role is to surrender Actively be praying, asking, seeking and knocking, and then just let him go to work while we wait for him to do the surgery. It's so easy, but we fight because we go, there must be more I'm doing than that. Because the world tells you you get nothing for doing nothing. You have to put something in, and it's true, you do, you have to surrender. Your part is surrender. Doesn't sound very good. Well, it's the way.
5: I mean, you've just answered exactly what I was going to say because that initial question was how do we get ready and the short answer is surrender and the long answer is surrender and the in-between answer is surrender (laughs) and I've been singing that I surrender all since I was three years old and it's been here I surrender all and, and, you know, you can still you can so kid yourself. I think that's the the yuck thing about this whole surrender process. You can actually verbally say it. You can surrender some bits, um, thinking that you're surrendering everything until your button gets pushed in other areas, and then ugly comes out, and there's no love, and there's no grace, and, you know, and then you go around in that jolly su- cycle again. Um, and I think you're right in saying that in actual fact... You feel like you need to be doing something. And it's really, really hard um, when you're such a doing person and such a listy person like I am. Like I've got a list for everything. um, And I like to tick off those lists because I feel a sense of achievement and accomplishment. And there's nothing right, there's nothing wrong with that per se, but actually in God there's everything wrong with that because he's not a checklist and we can't, be doing it that way, it's just not his way, um, but it, it, I, I, it's the logical thing in my mind, which goes, this is, doesn't make sense.
0: Yeah, so we're still here, yeah. Yeah. our mind, mind yeah. our will, our emotions,
5: mm. Mm.
0: my wife is saved, mm. but what she's saying is she's living from her soul, her mind and her emotions, mm. trying to live from that, yeah. and when you hear the opposite, it's a clash of kingdoms, mm. And one must bow its knee. But you can't bow its knee. It needs to receive more of the word to bow its knee.
5: I can bow my knee on a Sunday.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You can make a choice of mind, but actually what's God looking at? The mind or the heart? That's right. These are all a heart issue. It's a circumcision of the heart. And for there to be a circumcision, it's not a partial circumcision. It's a whole circumcision of the heart. Done by what? Ink? Or the spirit. So the ink is natural. We try to circumcise our mind, will, and emotion, and it gets you nowhere. Through the natural ink. God says it's of the spirit. I wrote on the Ten Commandments through my finger, and I am spirit. So I want to write my commandments on your heart, not through ink, through my power. So you're brought back to this position of I can't.
1: And I think, to me, we're talking about this morning. That is the great hoodwink because there is lots of things you can do. You know what I mean? And I think, even you are saying, Danny, about works. And I and I think, in in not reaching the point of surrender, you can do works to somehow soothe your conscience before God. Because as soon as you start doing works, it takes the attention away from what it is that He's looking to do within you. You know what I mean? And I think that 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 dynamic plays out over and over and over again because it look the works look like surrender but they're not because the person who's but the person who's genuinely surrendered will do will do works it's just one has one has one which really is going to be at the judgment seat and the other has both which are going to be like gold silver and precious stones and to me this is you know, back to our other side on the board, this is the dynamic between true spiritual sanctification and and the righteous acts of the saints. You know, you're not acting to fulfill a void in you because of your insecurity before God, and you're not acting... To perform in front of people out of insecurity, you're actually a bond servant of Christ. You know that you don't need to do anything to please Him, because you're already secure enough in His love for you and you for Him. You, you, it's it's from this place of true fellowship, you know. But now your works flow as as a love offering. You know what is it? Um, in view of God's mercy. Now lay down your life as a living sacrifice, you know. And so you're no longer trying to perform, to, to feel better about yourself or to try and justify yourself before him. You've actually been justified. They're the righteous acts, they're the acts that come from having been made right and the acts are an expression of fellowship and the salvation and redemption you have entered into, as opposed to the lack of and the void of, you know. And so, yeah, and I can just hear yeah, that's the
5: substance. I can just hear when you say that that is that that is the substance of Christ in you. There is no like it's solid. Yeah. It's it's and it's not the favour of man. So there is nothing to do with man in that place that's of right. substance. That's yeah.
1: right. And until we find and partake of that. Substance, we, can, we can't we can have fellowship. No, you that's know right. what I mean? And I want
5: that substance, but like, I can't get it. Like I'm not to get it like that. I'm not to get it with doing my works or doing just a little that's bit right. better or having a better self-control with a certain no. work colleague. It doesn't work like that, does it? No. I wish it would, but it, it doesn't. No. Yeah. It doesn't no. 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 It's
0: the same spirit as the work colleague. Mm. That's right. yeah. So it's just... Both spirits going hammer and tongs. It's the same thing. It has to be of another kind, which is him. And that's why I want to take us back next year to what this really means because it's an encounter. Like, it's not something you just mentally agree with. It has something that happens in you. We've taught you just pray this prayer and you're done. It's an encounter with God and it's ongoing encounters where you know of an encounter that's happening in you. You have life that you never once had. The Word of God which created creation is being implanted into you, saving your soul. That's what James says, but it comes through humility. So there must be humility present for to receive the Word that's implanted in your Mind, will, and emotion. If there's no humility of spirit because you haven't yet fallen on the rock, then pride is there. So pride tries to do two things. It goes no, or it tries to understand through itself. Nothing happens. So you can't then live out. You're trying to. You want to, but you can't. So the word has to come and smash the spirit of pride which we're all born with. We're not better than one another, but some of us have had the spirit of pride smashed through I'll speak for me my own stupidity my own will wanting to do its own thing got me to the end of the spirit of pride in me where it fell and broke so then when the word came there was an openness to receive something I had been rejecting for nine years not because I'm smart I was stupid See, you don't get in on the basis of your qualification. You get on the basis of being a broken, messed up, contrite heart, which is what David said God looks for before he wants any of the sacrifices and the offerings in your works because it's pointless and meaningless to me. I want your heart, the thing you keep keeping away. And so he said this and he warned the Israelites in Isaiah. Then the Lord said, because this people draw near with their words... And honor me with their lip service, but they remove their hearts far from me. So you say the right thing, but you removed the operating system because you're afraid. Fear's there. Pride's there. You don't even know you do it because you prayed a prayer when you were 12 or 20 or 28. But nothing happened. The inner realm is still the same as it was the day you prayed the prayer. So you are still the source of you, wanting to know why, because you're blocking or you're resisting or you're denying or you're deflecting, and so you have a form of godliness. You know how to sing the songs. You know how to smile. You know how to say. You know how to think, oh, I think the Lord's saying this to me today, but what you can't do is live. And you're not bad. You just haven't yet entered into the reality through the power because you've been trying your whole Christian life. And you have to stop. And it's just really offensive. Or it's life-giving. And Man, it's really offensive if you're not ready for it. But it's so life-giving if you're ready, if you're tired and weary. Man, I was tired. I wasn't trying to be a Christian. I didn't want to be a Christian. I was trying to be a really good sinner. But I got tired of being a sinner. Because even as a sinner looking for life, I was looking for things and people and stuff. I'm tired. I can't find it in women. I can't find it in partying. I can't find it in football. I can't find it in a job. I can't find it. No, because you're looking in all the wrong places. And I came to you when you were 19, son, and I've still been here. You see, sinners get weary and heavy laden like the church too. It's it's irrelevant whether you're a sinner or a son. If you don't know him and his way, you will all be heavy laden and outside of something, I want you in. And it's called letting go. Uh, I know what Jessica
2: knows.
0: <laughs> She's smiling at me the whole time going, Preach it, son, preach
2: it,
6: preach it, preach it, preach it. I was just gonna say, and it's
1: it's it's even more offensive if you've got that through what you're doing, but then in desperately trying your absolute hardest to be the best Christian you can possibly be <laughs> And not getting what you want, but then someone else just
7: <laughs>
1: but, but but to me like, like that th- that that is the absolute divine way of heaven, right because to me it shows that there 's no other way in apart from his way, you know no spiritual discipline, no effort. Nothing that you can do that can, that can create this apart from humility and, and surrender, you know? And to me, why, why is it that it's offensive that someone else has received something that we haven't? Do, do you see what I'm saying? Like, what is it in us that finds the fact that someone else has received something divine offensive? Well... <laughs> <laughs> that is exactly what it is. Do you know what I mean? Like, what, why would that not encourage us? What, and to me, this is, this is how free we need to be from ourselves, from each, from each other, you know? Because I think, you know, ultimately, if we don't come to that place, I mean, this is why fellowship is so important, because if, if the greatest desire of our heart is for him, then wouldn't we want to, wouldn't we, um, to, to me it's like that is available for all of us. So why don't we come together and have fellowship and him having received him together as, a, as opposed to being offended at the other person because they make us insecure for what we don't have, as opposed to praising him for what he's given and thanking him for a demonstration of what we've been invited into in the Spirit. Do you see what I'm saying? It's like if someone else rocks up that's in a greater measure of Christ than us, that is the best thing that could have possibly happened to you because now you've got an even greater opportunity to enter into everything that he has for you. Do you see what I'm saying? You know, it's like, man, if someone comes and they have Christ, why don't, why don't we celebrate <laughs> and join in fellowship with that person because we know that what they have is for us and what we have is for them, and we share together, we eat together, we dialogue together. We don't get offended at one another. Do you see what I'm saying? You
7: know. <laughs> um, <laughs>
0: Oh, you know, like, um. the problem is we struggle to live that pattern, don't we? That's right. So Jesus was sent to his own people, and what did his own people do? Yeah. <laughs> do you know we do the same? We kill the ones God sends because we're still in the spirit of pride. And so we get jealous of them, and we get bitter of them, and yet God has sent them for us. And so we kill them, and we follow the pattern of the Scriptures instead of the opposite pattern of receiving them because we know they're for us because God has sent them. And this is a biblical pattern that has gone throughout the centuries. God says, I sent you, my son, I send you apostles and prophets, and you kill them, and yet they have the key to knowledge. True knowledge Apostolic prophetic Knowledge that you throw out And so you kill The first and second gift And you establish for yourself The third and fourth gift But it's a five gift team And you just killed One and two And they define things That three and four need That's right. And one and two need three and four and five, but there's a ranking. And you just killed, well done, the one and the two ranking because you don't understand what they bring. That's a biblical pattern throughout the years and the centuries of church life. And so if you don't have all five and God gives all five, then you're going to be slightly a lopsided church, aren't you? Rather than one that's in absolute alignment, walking tall, apostolic, prophetic, teacher, pastor, evangelist. It's a prophetic reality. The apostolic and the prophetic deal more with the inside realm, the pastor and the teacher and the evangelist see inside to out. So those gifts are not primarily for out, they are primarily for in, and they build a church inward. Inward, so that church becomes outward. Well, if you take out one and two, it's not great. That's
1: right. You may as well take them all out, right? If you might as out well. one and two because the others are probably off doing their own thing and building something that probably isn't aligned to the pattern of heaven. You know what I mean? Yep.
0: And that's what God's been bringing us and making us aware. of. we've done that fivefold teaching over a year, if you were unaware of it. Go and spend time in it. We took a whole year and unpacked the five gifts and the importance of they are all they are Christ. So there are five aspects of Christ wrapped up as one. Not perfect. Everyone growing because everyone's learning this gift and the nature of God. But God gives five gifts for the building for four reasons. Unity of the faith. Oneness. Fellowship. Raised up to the full stature of the Christ. Who is she called? So you don't have those gifts in place. Do you think you're going to be the full stature of the bride? Do you think you're going to be one? You're taking the operating system that God has got and given and throwing it out. And you come up with your own. It's called man. And it's a steeple. It has one guy at the top, he's called the senior leader. It's a steeple. It's not a flat line, it's a steeple. It's a pyramid system. (laughs) Me at the top, elders underneath, staff, the congregation, I'm the top dog. I'm the man of God. And the man of God got the word of God. And everyone listens to the man of God. It's man. God's way is a flat line approach with team. Apostolic, prophetic, evangelistic, pastor, teacher, gifts, team, leadership gifts. Then you have a next tier called the other giftings, which are service gifts. Building gifts, service gifts, and it's one. But there is a functioning order and a ranking to these things that we must see. One is not better than the other, but there is grace and giving for function that aren't on others. And when you can see it, then you can receive it, then you can flow with it, then you're the recipient of the life coming your way. You're no longer rejecting and denying it, you're receiving it. If you reject the prophet, the one that God sends, or the righteous man, what don't you receive? The prophet's or the righteous man's reward. What are they bringing? The Word of God. What do you need? The Word of God. We're implanted in your soul. So why? So he builds you and you change. You've just rejected the medicine God gave. Well done. Oh, no, I didn't. No, I didn't. I know more. Okay, well then, live. oh, you're still the same person you were a year ago, whinging about the same stuff, still struggling with the same stuff. Why is that? Aren't we going from strength to strength? We're supposed to be. We're supposed to be coming like Christ, loving, overcoming. I, I want to share something that God's been talking to me about for about four weeks, and it's in relation to Danny and I. But before that, is there questions around any of that? What I'm going to share relates, but have you got questions around just what you've just heard? Fivefold, apostolic, prophetic—the pattern of heaven. Why it's so important? It mm-hmm. What do you want to say to that, Sam?
1: Uh, yeah, to me, the, to me, it's like vision is what Greg's describing. It's the it's the prophetic, uh, prophetic knowledge of God and His ways. You know, and so if we don't have that as a as a people group. We, we perish through lack of knowledge. You know we don't enter into the fullness of what His prophetic picture and plan is for us because we don't have a, an intimate living knowledge of of who He is and what it is that He's called us to. You know, and so to me that's why that's why this what Greeks describing is so vitally important because if you throw out what is it the, the apostle and prophet who are the key to knowledge, you 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 essentially throw out. You know, what it, what it is that God is wanting to, to do and to, and to mature us into as a body, you know? Um, so, yeah, it's, I think it's absolutely essential that we have prophetic vision, prophetic knowledge of, of Him, who He is, His ways, and, and what we are called to as, as a body.
0: What does the institutional church and the world classify as vision? <laughs> 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 Works. So we need a common vision, a goal, to achieve together to create oneness. That's what we call vision. That is not what God calls vision. I mean, the very thing itself is giving it away. Vision, sight, not doing. That's purpose. So when you see your purpose comes from your sight, we go, no, let's create our purpose without sight which is what we look at. So we come up with man-made purposes. And what we're talking about, we miss completely because we don't have eyes to see them. So our purpose must come out of vision. I see the bride. Our purpose is to become the bride. You don't see the bride. Your purpose is to reach lost people. I don't know, be a millionaire. Have ten kids and a nice white picket fence and live. I don't know, be a sportsman. Your purpose all becomes earthy, not eternal. Our purpose must come from our vision and God says, can you see what's in me? If that's not where your vision is, then it's on earth. Set your mind on the things above where Christ is seated, who is the author and perfecter of vision. Faith is sight. Do not get entangled in the things of the earth, for they are easily to get entangled in because I live here. That's all about what I'm going to be. Me, 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 me. And it's all about God blessing me, not me blessing him. Now, what I want to talk about, which is linked to this, and this is something God's been stewing on, is... Danny and I are a prophetic picture as two individuals in a marriage covenant of what God is doing here. He spoke to me five years ago and said, what I'm doing in your individual marriage with Danielle is exactly what I'm doing at The Rock. And what we have gone through and continue to go through is what we're all going through between flesh and spirit. So, Just go with me on this, and I pray you'll hear what I'm saying. I'm a prophetic picture of one kind, and Danielle is a prophetic picture of another kind. And God has brought those two kinds together for the purpose of one kind. Okay? I have been raised in Christ. Greg. Danielle has been raised in Christianity. They sound the same, don't they? Christ, Christianity. Do you know they're different? This one is raised in the person. This one is raised in the principle. Principle is right, but it's not the person. The truth that sets you free, is it a principle or a person? How do you get into the person as opposed to the principle? What's the difference here? It's power. So through power you get what? Hold on, R? Revelation. The difference between these two things is revelation. So God, in his infinite wisdom, because he wants to see oneness demonstrated on the earth, brings two people together of two different kinds for the purpose of spiritual oneness. The two becoming one. As a demonstration for something far bigger than just our marriage covenant. But the marriage covenant between Christ and his church. This is just Danny and I. Some people start over here. Both. Some start over here. Both. And then you get us. One here and one here. So the challenge is for us is that will we allow and fulfill the covenant between a man and a wife and God and his church? Because the same pattern and the same principles that apply there are here. But you can I cannot love Danielle from here the way I'm commanded to. She can't submit to me from here. And that's been a part of our marriage. Between flesh and spirit. Easy in the natural. My wife submits to me in the natural, no problems. But spiritually, we have collided and clashed. It came out three or four weeks ago. Okay, That's what that was. That wasn't a couple having an argument. That was flesh and spirit coming together. Because the raised in Christianity, and you've heard it, I can't do this, and I'm getting frustrated, but I live with someone that's in a life that I'm not in, and I recognize I'm not in it, but I want it, but then I don't, but I want it, and then I don't, then I like it, then he angs me, then he pisses me off, but I like it, but I don't, and I'm in this covenant, and I can't get out of the covenant, I want to have run at times, but I can't run away from it because it's a covenant. And it's the same with God and us because we're in a covenant. And when you know you're in a covenant, you have to work out your salvation. Because covenant doesn't get broken. So my wife and I are prophetic individuals, but a prophetic microcosm of what God is doing between Christ and the church. And it's in every marriage. Now you might find you're over here. You might find you're over here. Sorry. Or you might be one and one. You have to know which side you're on. Now, if you're single, you also have to know what side you're on. Because remember, this is a marriage covenant with Christ first. That's where it all starts. So God wants every single follower raised in Christ, not raised in... In Christianity. Out of Christ comes Christ-likeness. But Christ doesn't come out of forms of godliness. We do. Flesh does. So that can't exist. My children at the moment are here. Now both of them have gifts on their life that are given. But they're here. I can't get them over here I can't give them that I can speak that pray for that model that teach that but I can't give that only God can give that my teacher and my wife may stay on this side of the fence while I'm on this side of the fence no, and my wife did I? okay She's my teacher, too. (laughs) In some things. (laughs) Yes, my love. Yes, my love. (laughs) and in some things. (laughs) So my wife and my kids may stay here. I can't change that. They have the freedom to stay there. Covered not crucified, but I pray, hope, model, speak, love in the hope that that love will bring them this way, and this will happen through that, and love wears people down, disarms people, doesn't it? But you can't love unless you're in Christ, because you've got to be in him to love like him. And then he wants to perfect you in Christ so you become one, John 17. So this is what we are going through in our marriage covenant. And it is an example to everyone else, whether you're single or married, to enter into the process of love and submission, flesh and spirit, all those things coming into alignment through the power of the Holy Spirit. Because just like I can't love Danielle, she can't submit to me, unless we're both here. And so that's the challenge for us, that's the challenge for every marriage, that's the challenge for the marriage covenant between Christ and his church. And to the measure that we become this is to the measure we have the life of that. If there's a resistance and a fighting, you won't become this, but... No one can determine what you receive, only you do So my wife can resist me the whole time But that doesn't mean that Christ resists me And that doesn't mean that I'm going to become part of something that she might not Do you understand? So I need to figure out if she stays here How I love him How I love her But put him first ahead of her And that sometimes means making choices that she doesn't like Putting other people ahead of her when God says to, and she doesn't like. And that's the challenge. But we're all to be on this side of the equation. And so that's the divine setup that God's been working at here for 10 years. But He started with us, and it's not finished. It's a constant formational process of the two constantly becoming one living in oneness, and then living from that, where you're no longer butting heads or going, "Eh, because of whatever, your yes is your yes. And so imagine bringing children into that, but once again, you can't make the kids want to be that. But they have the greatest opportunity because they're seeing it ministered in front of them and they're receiving the life of spiritual oneness. Being led to the way of God, but then given the choices as to whether they choose that way. And you have to be free from your spouse. You have to be free from your kids. You have to be free from your peers. You have to be free from humanity and every possession to become this with God. Because all those things will hold you back if you're not. You will choose them over him because you're ultimately afraid. And that's why you have to overcome that fear. He says, I'm with you. I am for you. I want to be in you. And I and you will work out your salvation. Questions. You can't stay on here if you're receiving revelation. You're not receiving revelation if you're on here. Revelation will bring you to the life in Christ. So revelation creates manifestation which creates demonstration. It's all one hit. Okay. You get revelation of God's truth and continuous revelation, you will not be here. That's the problem we're here because this is our version of God. So Danny's been raised up with biblical truths, not truth. You understand that? Principles. She knows a lot about God, but doesn't know God. In the sense of true knowledge, she needs to come to a true knowledge of God, which frees her from her and enables her to do the things she can't do. You just heard it. I can't do it. I can't. That's right. You need the true knowledge of God through revelation. Only God can free you from you. Okay? So just being raised in a Christian home means nothing unless you've got revelation of God. In fact, it can go against you. And that's what Sam was saying. I'm the guy (laughs) that pissed everybody off when I turned up because I've got knowledge and revelation and everyone's working hard to get it and I got it free from being a great sinner. But actually, everyone doesn't know what they're saved from. That's the problem. I knew what I got saved from. You think you need to be like me to get that revelation. No, the fact is you don't have revelation. Because you're just as evil as I am, but you judge me for being me, but you actually are me. Yeah. That's the institutional model that we've all been grown up in because we all think coming to the building is church. Yeah. See, so it got nothing to do with buildings and meetings. It's nothing, but that's what we've made it. So everybody thinks if they turn up, that's it, I'm a Christian. If I say the right things, do the right things, turn up on the Sunday, put money in the bucket, that's what it means to be a Christian. No, that's not the evidence you're a Christian. The evidence of being a Christian is you live like Christ. You don't have to be part of this to live like Christ. You don't have to turn up to the gatherings. But if you are in Christ, you want to be part of the gathering. So you've got to know, you've got to be in the way, see? Because the people that go, I don't need to be a Christian to be a Christ, I don't come. They're not in Christ. If you're in Christ, you want to gather with Christians. Because you know you need them and they need you. Because there's a gift on your life and you're part of the whole process. Question.
5: Um, I just wanted to clarify or let um, other people clarify that, or you can clarify. Um, so raised in Christianity, I've, I've now realised, because when Greg keeps saying that every Sunday, every Sunday... <laughs> Um, I I kept thinking he was um, going against the way I was raised in my family, in my natural family, because I was raised in a Christian family. When I was three years old, I became a Christian beside the fridge in Blenheim, I remember still to this day. However, it's not talking about that. He's talking about the the principle around um, being around Christianity for that period of time, my, my whole life, being raised in Christianity. So just so I can clarify that, because... I took that as a real negative thing, that he was kept making jabs at me, at me, personally. But he wasn't, actually. You weren't, were you? You weren't? No. 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 And I've and I, and I beaten up enough, man. I now know <laughs> you're not. Um, but the other thing is, uh, like that whole principle thing, is that, yeah, I could quote you the books of the Bible, I could sing them to you. I won't. But <laughs> I know Genesis to Revelation, you know, I can sing that books in God's holy word, blah, blah, blah. However, it doesn't, hasn't necessarily changed my heart. It hasn't caused me to love. And, but what it has done, it's caused me to be very behaviorally outcome focused. And so unfortunately, I have this huh, thing that God needs to smash in me, which is a behaviorally um, focused mindset and Greg has had to help me with our parenting because all I see is the behaviour and I want to smash those kids not physically emotionally with my words because I'm so angry at their behaviour yet I've done the same thing last week do you know what I mean and so the principle is just really not great because if, if, it's, not, if it's not underpinned by love and revelation then you're barking up the wrong tree
0: Jeff. Yep. You can know all about love, doesn't mean you can love.
6: Um, the way the way you're talking about this, and I don't know either way, but is no closer. There you go. Um, a big bang sort of thing. Like you're in one camp, and then the next moment you're in the other, or, or you're in the other camp, but. I've sort of got the idea that part of it is a maturing from one camp to the other camp as opposed to it's on off, slight switch. It's both. Okay.
0: So, my experiences, I go from nothing to this, I bypass all this. Okay. So, I, my, my start was like I'm at the races and I'm off because of the power I received and the revelation I received. Okay. I realize that's not everyone's experience. In fact, that's not most people's experience, but most people, it's a gradual process. Okay? But the goal is, are you actually in the gradual process of maturity, or have you been fooling yourself your entire Christian walk? Because that's not process. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about being born in this and then growing. Okay? So yes, this might be gradual, but it's not that at all. That's got to go because this is just this is all outside of you. That's what Danny's testifying to. Here's the rights, here's the wrongs. You don't act the way you're supposed to act. Self righteous judgment on you. So she judges the thing she's not supposed to do. She's on the seat of Moses judging Mark, pointing the finger, (coughs) then doing the same thing that Mark's doing. Okay. That's the first thing Adam did when he sinned. He turned around and he said, you who put that woman here with me. The number one thing when sin entered was accusation. That's what we do until you get smashed of that because that's being raised up in that where you judge other people's behaviors, which is our first conversation. It's a miracle we're even married. I called her a self-righteous Pharisee when I met her. The first night, the rules of dating, (laughs) don't come to me, (laughs) must have been God, we're still here 19 years later and two kids, but I called it out, you know, and it's in all of us to the measure until we get free of it and then the operating system changes, so yes, that's not gradual, that's got to go. This can be sudden or gradual and everything in between. So it can start gradually and all of a sudden you get more and more hungry. So the hungry you get, abundance, abundance, how much do you want? Take from him, give to her. How hungry are you? How much do you want? So then we determine how fast this can happen as well. Because it's about the heart condition, see? So like natural eating, when you're hungry, you got to eat, don't you? You go find food, well, same as spirit. So it can happen either way, mate. It's, it's both and more.
1: Um, also, I think as well, you know, when you talk about being raised in Christ and even in a marriage or whatever environment it is, to, to me it's like there's an opportunity for the person who's in this to measure for that, that process that you're describing to create greater growth it's, it's still an opportunity for your own transformation. It's, 100%. It's not like you get to this and then it's all about the other person, right? You know? No. It's like when, you, when you're in this, you see actually the entire purpose of this covenant is my transformation and theirs, but also my, my – do you see what I'm saying?
0: Yes, which is what I was saying before about the physical work. Yeah. Okay? So the physical work we do is not for the purpose of physical work primarily. It's for transformation. Same with your marriage covenant. Okay, so that's what I love. God has put two people together, which is an ongoing process, which I shared when we went to Cambodia that time. I mean, Danny and I had a discussion. It was one way.
1: <laughs> I'm sure I've heard it referred to as a ding-dong before.
0: <laughs> I got up, left, and uh, I'm on the tuk-tuk, and God says, where are you going? I said, I'm going to the hotel. I'm sick of that. He says, what are you doing? Going back to the hotel. Rodney's trying to call me on the phone. Not answering that. (laughs) I said, no, she can deal with that. I'm sick. And he says, yeah, her behaviour wasn't right, but it's not about her behaviour, it's about you. He said, I wouldn't have left. No, you're God. (laughs) No, no, I was a man like you. I wouldn't have left. I would have stayed. I would have continued to cover He said, son, it's a continuous process. You didn't have enough love in you. Yeah, you've done well, but you need more. I'm like, okay, for the formation of more love. (laughs) What does it say? Jesus, through suffering, learned obedience. (laughs) We're all in this together. So absolutely, through the covenant, I mean, God's got a hilarious sense of humor bringing two people together, male and female, who are different and going, let's see if they can work it out. But I give them both my spirit for the purpose of working out. Otherwise, they're going to tear each other apart. So it's awfully possible. And if you understand the purpose of this covenant as a means towards that covenant, then, man, do you embrace this covenant? Because you understand the meaning. It's not for kids. It's not to have sex so you don't slip up. It's primarily to prepare you for your marriage covenant with Christ. Once again, if you're single physically, it's irrelevant. You don't need to be married. He is your groom. You are his beloved. The same process is. In fact, you may actually be more better off staying single than getting married because when people get married, they turn to the affections of one another. They leave Christ behind, and now the focus becomes the wife or the husband, and the person becomes a distraction. That's why he says don't be yoked unequally which has got way more to do with Christian and non-Christian, but everything to do with spiritual oneness. Could I say you can.
7: <laughs> um, and then uh, when see, that time at camp, I didn't want to talk to people. Remember? No. Yeah, you and Joe came. I, yeah, no. I wanted to... um. I
0: was sick of paperboarding. I was, mm-hmm. oops,
7: I think Greedy told me off because I talked too much. No, it was Simon.
0: That was me. It was you. Because I talked too much and I thought I was stuffing or something. Yeah. <laughs> and, but I still love him but I didn't yeah. stop him. Yeah. <laughs> she said she still loved me but stuff Stuff him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
7: I don't want to talk to people anymore. And I wasn't going to. And I hear... I I actually choose to be stubborn, and Mm -hmm. it's pretty Mm -hmm. strong. When I choose to be stubborn, Mm -hmm. it's Mm -hmm. really blocked, stubbornness too. It's a pretty powerful look. And um... (laughs) And when he he came, and Joe too, Mm -hmm. and um... Mm -hmm. um, and, And I... (laughs) Well, because I was, well, cause I was a God, uh, talking to God, and I was like, oh, yes. Um, so um, it was like, um, God, um, well, it's just me and God, so who cares? You yep, go, I'm talking to you, God, now, and that's it. And then, and, then, yeah, and then I could hear you both, and then I thought, oh, no, Lord. I don't want him coming now. That's There's no people. No way. Just you and I, when I say you and I, it's just you and I alone. Mm. And I was, <laughs> and, and, and then I, but I was talking to him loudly, but I couldn't help it because it was, I had to be with him loud and then, and then flush. I said, they, they heard us. damn it. But and he came to me, and thought, damn it, Lord. But anyway, then, then you start talking to me. Then you and and, and Joe was sitting and there and then I thought, um, oh no, I don't care, I don't care what you say, I don't care at all, I don't care, too bad what you say, too bad. But you anyway, were, it wasn't you, it wasn't you at all that talked, Danny. Mm-hmm. No, it was, I was good when you say, you said something and you're really starting with that, you no, was it that, that you don't hear something that you see before mm. that um, you don't understand or you are not real, or something that you see before? What that came hey, you, you really, it wasn't, it wasn't, oh, no, it wasn't you, but it was you. Mm. You were fooling God. It was like, mm. Yeah, something that you see before that God, that I got that. Mm. It was fully God, fully spoke to you. Cause mm-hmm. when I, you no, know, when I choose, like, no, really choose, I like choosing it's all the locks in the planet, and they're super stainless steel, hardened, and I don't, I don't listen, I don't hear. Mm-hmm. But no, but you were there, and, mm-hmm. and God really. Spoke because I really hurt him. Otherwise, yeah. there was no laughing way, but mm. it was, here's something, that it's just, I wish I remembered something that you see before. Mm. I was, mm. about that. it was, um you, yeah,
5: you were, okay, wherever you were, but I was going anyway that, that yeah. there, I, and I think that was because um, I remember that really vividly as well and I think it was that it was the spirit of God was like there was love for you but it was from him yes. you know and that I don't even know what I said but I remember it was the love that was breaking down the, what you were feeling yes. and it, that's what his love does right yes. his love is not my love I can't conjure up that up you know
0: And, and that's the beauty isn't it that God can work through, but he wants to be in so it comes from you and then through you which is beautiful
6: Paul. Yeah, and that's, that's why this is it's so awesome. it is so confronting and and i I just urge us to hear hear what's being declared you know we sharing with Greg afterwards, um, and 2 Peter it talks about a prophetic word that is being made, uh, being made more sure that you would do well to pay attention to. You know? And so he goes on and says it's like, it's like a light in the darkness. So you see the light and you're drawn to it and you're going to go to it until the morning starts, Christ rises up within you. But the, the key was to pay attention to this prophetic word that is being spoken, being made more sure. And so for on the D side, where there's so much information that is actually correct, becomes so confronting when someone else on the G side rocks up and then you know, um, declares a, a living word that is prophetic in nature and apostolic in nature – that actually drives to the very heart of what the D side knows and in information, but is lacking the power to actually walk out and live out, and so it sets up this this clash that requires pride to be smashed in order to actually receive. And you know, the, the, you're saying, Greg, you know, about there are there are not many, there are not many that has actually have received this word. And and then thrust forward with this this power revelation word, there, there are a few, and I could I could name a few people that I know uh, that have you know received vision, been taken to heaven, and divine encounters with God and rocked out. But there's not many that have actually heard the full word that is His way. You know, when you were sharing earlier on, Danny, you know the song that I surrender all. You know that. Um, for me it was the song lord i give you my heart and and absolutely many are singing it but let us not one of us miss the whisper of god when he speaks because he'll rock up at moments when, when you're not least expecting and he'll say really do you mean that and at that point when you're giving him the yes even i remember distinctly saying well I, I want to, at least I want to want to. And he says, well, I'll work with that, so let's go. And then he brings us to a place like this where someone who's encountered him and pursuing that we then find out, who do you say I am? so that can actually receive a word that's being being brought to us, a prophetic and apostolic word, that's not just declaring just the prophetic or the apostolic word, but the fivefold ministry that needs the the whole council of God being brought together to make the picture whole with a vision that is God's vision, not an earthly vision, not something for us to rally around to do, but it's actually aligned to God's vision. And then again, it confronts the D side. Because the information is correct, but the power to live it out is not there, and needs this, this encounter so that we're then actually reliant on submission one to another. And that's a bit of, I, I know my own life that's um, where I've encountered him, and then he's brought that to me to go, actually, how is it this that this can rock up and actually bring a word when confronted with not just the words but the power to live that word? Then I'm left with a choice. Well, will I actually go to the source to find out what was happening here and here and here to go? Oh, God, help me! I need it to happen here. Mm -hmm. So let me let me come back to you because I've got the information that's saying what is right, but I need the power for to be right and to encounter. You know, the, the thing I can't help but look at it. What happens when you get revelation? You look, you've got "G on one side, D on the other side, you need "Oh" on the inside. And you're left with God now. And, that, and it's that. It's that encounter with Him. And I'd encourage us all, don't, don't miss. You do well to pay attention to a prophetic word that is being spoken like a light in a dark place, till a morning star rises within you, that you too will live a life worthy of this calling.
0: I just want to say, like, when it was four weeks ago when Danny said what she said, man, I just fell in love with her deeper. So my heart leapt when she was saying what she was saying because... Those types of things need to happen. So the cool thing is, is that this side is very comfortable with that side manifesting because this side has been there and knows that side. So this side loves it when that side starts to come into the reality of where we're really not. The challenges. This side can be threatened by this side And so once again It's the prophetic picture of God and us So the more we're in God The more we love And the more we have to say What is true that makes people free But that doesn't mean That side likes it But it needs to be said But this side loves So this side doesn't expect anything It hopes all things Believes all things Endures all things all things, doesn't hold an account that's wrong, isn't jealous, is patient, and so it waits, hoping and believing that this side is going to hear the word of the Lord and come from free will and revelation. And that's God and us, and then God, as we're in God, you then become like God to others. And love never runs away. It runs too That's the evidence you're in love If you run away And love doesn't run away Then you're not in love You're in lust Trying to protect you Love runs Is crucified For the world Your neighbour So if I'm my neighbour And I would love me as I love my neighbour How would I love me? How would I want to be loved? If I'm my neighbor, love yourself as you love others. That's the standard, see? And so that's why this is a means to this. But it is not this. It points you to this. And this is what Jesus came to bring and build people in Christ. So that's going to be it for the end of the year as far as banquet goes. We've got another gathering Sunday morning and then next year what we're doing with banquet is we're going to space it out so it's not going to be every month. So I think the first one's February, then we're going to have a couple of months gap, then we're going to hit it again, then we're going to have a gap and then we're going to hit it again, all right? Um, And we're just going to roll with this into next year and unfold it more. And then as I say, once we've gone through this, we're then going to go right back and preach as if everyone's lost. Have massive altar calls, get everybody saved. (laughs) All the sinners come forward. I said all the sinners come forward. (laughs) And just unpack it. Unpack the entire thing. And, um, you know, so... Have an awesome night, have a great Christmas day, and uh, see you soon, eh?